0: Welcome to the RazorWire podcast, where we discuss all things in the information security and cybersecurity world. From current events and trends, through to commentary from experts in the field, providing vital advisory on what it is to work in the information security and cybersecurity space. Hello, and welcome to another edition of RazorWire. We are here today to discuss recruitment in the cybersecurity field from a forces perspective. So what to expect when coming out. We're here to discuss what it's like to be in the commercial world and recruiting people from the forces and everything related to this wonderful thing that we've been discussing a few times now about, uh, how there's not enough information to security people, um, and how we bring people into, to this particular field. I have three other guests or three guests today to introduce you to, some of which you've seen before, the lovely Claire. But first, let's talk about James. James, do you want to kind of just give the the people listening uh, some detail of who you are, where you come from, what your background is?
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. I have the pleasure of having the amazing job running TechVets, a non-profit and also programming the Force Employment Charity. And I work with the whole forces community to get them into into tech careers with a dominance um, looking at cybersecurity careers and um, I was lucky to to spend two decades in the military and I left and joined the government digital service uh, as the head of cyber threat intelligence and um, before taking on this role fantastic
0: now claire you have been in the army and you've come out and experienced the wonderful world of the commercial world uh, do you want to kind of introduce yourself to the listeners
2: yeah. So uh, Claire Davis, I was in the military for uh, 22 years before uh, leaving, about 10 years, just over 10 years ago now. And uh, since then, I've worked in the commercial sector. Uh, first, firstly, with Post Office, and then moving on to Arriva Group.
0: And finally, somebody who I actually employed from James, I believe, who was in instrumental. In introducing us, uh, one of my consultants,
3: Tom. Tom Mills, uh, just spent 16 years in the military within a counterintelligence and, and security background. So identifying the, the InfoSec or GRC route um, that was highlighted to me through TechBets, through James, um, it really helped out through the journey. So, um, see, I'm two months deep into my commercial career now under the, the great James Reese, and uh, yeah, learning a lot and um, yeah, looking forward to the future.
0: Fantastic. And uh, of course, I'm James Reese, or Jim, as a lot of people know me as. So, guys, here we are. You're all veterans. You've all experienced what it's like to, uh, you know, sort of join the forces, go through the training, you know, when you were young, learn what you needed to learn, go to places that a lot of us probably would never want to go to. Uh, experienced, you know, no doubt some things that are brilliant and some things that are probably more terrifying than you could you could probably communicate. When you first step out onto Civvy Street, it must be a significant change for you guys. You've you've lived for maybe many years, depending upon how many how many years you've been in the military, and walking into an environment which is going to be extremely different. Now, Claire, what was it like? Do you want to give us a brief rundown of what it was like for you from going from, you know, working on a base having your food catered for and everything that you needed to living out in Mm. in, on civvy street
2: Uh, i suppose for me uh, from my background in the intelligence corps isn't you're not quite so institutionalized is a wrong word but you you do live a very sort of like a different world to those that perhaps do have everything provided for them in terms of their food and their accommodation and all of that kind of stuff nothing to worry about but uh I left after 22 years. So two years before that, I had made a decision. Yep, this is the right thing. I know that I was getting out at that point because it was the end of my colour service. Terms have changed slightly since I left so people can stay on for a bit longer. But I was I was much, really started to prepare two years out for me. Um, so a lot of that preparation is is in your head more than anything else so that you're starting to prepare yourself for what it's going to be like and making sure that, you you understand what you need to get in order to get where you want to go where do you want to go I mean I toyed with a few different ideas and thought gosh I wouldn't mind being a black cab driver I wouldn't mind doing this I wouldn't mind doing that you know and then I I started to think well I know I'm gonna have to be London based because that's where my partner is in the Metropolitan Police but I think it was also recognizing that uh, I think where are my skills best suited? And and there are some skills that I had which I didn't really want to go into, which are more human intelligence-based. Um, you know, I just thought I want something a little bit different. For me, cybersecurity was something that I wanted to, to get into because, uh, you know, physical security is the obvious choice when it comes to what we used to do. Cybersecurity 10 years ago was something which was relatively new people were doing it, but not to the level that, that we're doing it now. So I thought, right, two years out, how do I prepare myself? And and what qualifications can I obtain so that it's recognised, my skills are recognised? So I think that's the first thing is, is that I looked at, at um, civilianising some of the vocational skills that I had, really. But in terms of how did it feel, which I think was more of your question – at the time, I felt great about it because I had a plan of where I wanted to do. And, but then as that time came upon itself, you know, and, and I was suddenly out, I never had my, my ID card and things like that, then suddenly I'd lost my identity, really. What I had been for 22 years had gone since I was 18 years old. I'd been in the military. I knew nothing else, really. Um, so there was an element of that. And, and then, I suppose, coming on to trying to get a job which I expect will be one of your later, later conversations. But I, I think thats uh, it wasn't easy in, in my head, but I, I did try to prepare myself as much as possible.
0: Tom, did you experience something similar?
3: Well, certainly going down uh, what Claire was mentioning, I was always of the opinion that I was going to be in for the 422. Uh, I signed up for it and, and that was my, my checkered flag. It was always what I was aiming for. And I mean, nine months ago, that was still the case. I was still aiming for that, knowing that I still had sort of six and a half years left and trying to plan my career that, um, that way. Um, obviously, thinking about buying forever home from the wife um, in five years, you try and lay it all out. And it's when a, a slight policy change comes into play that then has that massive, dare I say, use the word detrimental um, impact to, to a lot of service persons. So I've spent the last six, seven months going through the medical discharge process um, which has led to my uh, eventual discharge, and I dare say it's a very different process, different experience. The end result is still the same, regardless of how you come out. But yeah, going from uh, I've got still got six years uh, left in the military to uh, you're going to be out at an unknown time frame, um, it's very daunting. And I'm not lie, I was I was very worried about the future, what I was going to be getting into imposter syndrome plays a very big part of that because yeah you go from working in this big team this big corporate team that is the military and the army and uh, oh, how will i fit into the corporate world the civvy world um, and what can i bring to the table or well, having the, the vast support of the x forces community especially like organizations like tech vets they really make you feel warm and fuzzy inside that you br- can bring a lot to the table. And yeah, just going through that journey, having that level of support, it really does help. Just makes, it, yeah, it's, it's it's been a journey. It's been ups and downs, but um, I've, I've got there. So as I said, the end result was still the same. People go through different journeys, but we all get there. We, we all adapt, we all overcome and we reproduce we and we deliver.
0: I mean, Before we move over to James, just very quickly, Claire, when you came out, was there any support For you, when you came out, beyond what was available, was there anything like tech vets or or did you kind of have the...
2: No, not that I was aware of anything like tech vets side of things. Um, The military, depending on how you leave, because I was leaving after 22 years um and that's what tom was referring to there is a set up a plan that's set up for you so for two years you go into um i can't remember what it was called really but it was it was basically preparing you you had an ability to go out and do some courses that are paid for um you can get a few days off so that you can with people will help you write a cv it's little things like that that you haven't got any clue on Mm. to be perfectly honest and civilianizing um what skills you have because of course you'll be writing it in military terms um, which means a lot to somebody who's who's been there and understands the military but to to most people that haven't it means nothing and of course they can't translate what you have done in an operational zone your ability for flexibility your ability to lead when you know the situation is horrific and and in a very high tempo environment how do you translate that into a document that people actually recognize that that's a skill that they want and a capability that they want within their business. Okay.
0: James, is this, I mean, you've been running TechVets for a while. What was your experience coming out? I mean, I take it, you know, your experience coming out was part of the reason why you began TechVets to make that transition a little bit smoother. It's interesting to hear Tom's experience and Claire's experience. I mean, tell us a bit about what your transition was like and, and how TechVets actually kind of helped people Go through and and go from very regimented, very sure of where you are, what you're doing and and what your role is to to the civic street
1: yeah of course, so that, my, mine was fairly successful I was i suppose fortunate. I got injured back in two thousand and seven in Afghan um, and it meant that I was never going to promote from that point onwards um, so I basically looked at what I could do in the military to really shape my career going forward so um, you know I, I then moved into the intelligence corps and and I started essentially a seven-year plan with two years to get my feet under the table and then a five-year exit strategy. Um, that, that's pretty much how I did it. I, that was a bit of an anomaly. Um, and what people normally do is they, they leave it too late to start that plan. Because in the military, as you say, everything is fairly formal structures. So it doesn't matter what part of the army you're in, and I'll use the army because um, I never served in the other two services, so it's pretty foreign language for me even outside of the army into those two services. Um, but but you know at a certain rank, in a certain cap badge or trade, you know what that job is going to be. It's the same for every single person that goes through that job with a caveat that there may be slight operational um, you know, differences. But but primarily it's the same thing. And, and that level of standardization is one of the biggest issues that I've found um, with anyone leaving the military. Uh, and, and that is outside there is no standardization and cybersecurity is the perfect perfect topic to be discussing um, around this because you know there could be a company that has a stock analyst role uh, another company that has a stock analyst role we all know that those roles would be totally different not a single thing on those job specs will be the same other than the job title but then conversely you'll have two totally different job titles that are actually pretty much the same job Um, and also what certifications are people looking for what sort of skills and i think claire um hit the nail on the head How how can how can you understand what you've done in terms of operational delivery? Because you know, when we say operations, often people in the military just think it's it's the operations. But outside, operational delivery is where we have a real impact. That that ability to bring in multidisciplinary skills to deliver an outcome based on time, resources, etc., perfect. And you've done it all, but you can't translate it properly if you don't know what to translate it into. And the benefit that I had of that seven-year plan, that's when I started my networking. That's when I started looking at things like LinkedIn and going to conferences and exposing myself more and more to the outside world. You know, again, as Claire mentioned, the intelligence core, actually, you have loads of opportunity to do that. In my infantry days, you don't really get that, that opportunity at all. So you're far more institutionalized. You're far less exposed to these career paths. Um, and, and therefore, how do you know what you don't know? You know, how do you know what cybersecurity is? Uh, and, and that's why TechBets was set up, because you've got these people with these incredible skills. They don't know how to translate them. The way people leave is that, generally speaking, they'll hand in their notice and serve a whole year's worth of notice. But the point that there is you don't land the job, sign the contract, and then hand your notice in. You do it the other way around. So in that last three months, you're at high risk, preparing to leave, but desperate to nab that job. Because let's say, for example, you're like Tom, and and you you need to get that house. You know, you may have kids that you, you're supporting. You've got that level of responsibility. You need to have that assurance that you're going to be able to meet those needs. So what we tend to find is not unemployment, but underemployment is the biggest problem. And that's where people take the low risk option. Where well, I'm in I'm in the infantry, so I'll go and do some close protection work. You know, or I'm I'm driving tanks, and I've got my HGV license, so I'll go and drive drive trucks. Um, and and we see that. So, so often um, that that is the real, the real issue. So TechVets was set up to help these individuals realize what potential they had, what skills they had, what experience they had, and how valuable that was for industry, who are crying out for a lot of the soft skills that the service leavers have, but actually to make sure they accessed the upskilling in the right way, that it was trustworthy, that they were coming in and speaking to people who weren't just veterans, they were veterans in these jobs, in these career paths, who could provide that direct advice and guidance. If you're an aspiring pen tester, you want to speak to an offensive security specialist or someone running running a team, hiring into those sort of teams who also understands your background. And that's exactly what we did. We just pulled it all together in an online community.
0: Absolutely. I mean, you know, from a, from a commercial perspective, I mean, I never never served in any of the forces. I did come close at one point. I, it was very much a if I didn't get a particular job when I was first trying to get into IT at the time, and I was, I was actually going to sign up. I won't say what I was going to sign up to because, uh, yeah, you know, I, d- I don't wish the the, the internal uh, fun and games to to. Con- <laughs> I know the <laughs> to answer do. to that question. So yeah, you do. Yeah. yeah, you do. And it was it was it was one you'll all laugh at, but um, you know, when I did get into um, you know my first commercial role, um, you know, I was eighteen. You know, I was a young lad. Um, and my first boss was ex-military, was ex-army, uh, and I learned a lot from him. I learned a hell of a lot from Paul. Uh, so, Paul, if you're watching, hi, mate. Big influence on on my early days of getting into, you know, infosec and IT and all the rest of it. I'd had some small jobs beforehand, but but that was really my first first real move. And ever since, I've always had a bit of a soft spot in my heart for people who've who've worked in the forces and have come out uh, and are currently working on Civvy Street. I've employed people like, there was a guy called Ian, who's ex-RAF, obviously a Tom that I now have, who's ex-Army. I've worked for many, many years alongside Claire in various like different roles and what have you, and we've always kept in contact. And I know a number of other people from the forces, and... What I see coming out of the forces are people who are used to operating in difficult circumstances. They don't lose their head, which a lot of people in the commercial world do. An instant kicks off and they're all going to pieces. You know, an instant kicks off when you have some fantastic people like Tom or Claire. They don't panic. They don't, you know, they might swear a little bit, but we all do. But then we all sit down and actually work through the problem, which is what you sometimes don't tend to get and quite often don't tend to get in the commercial world. They're dedicated as well. They're used to working long hours. They're used to chilling down. I mean, me and Claire used to pop down the pub on a regular basis after a a long day and a long week. And Claire's ability to chill out and just focus on just okay it's all done let's worry about that tomorrow or the next next week was absolutely fantastic and we could actually kind of enjoy talking about what we were doing and all the rest of it so i'm i'm really impressed with the quality of individuals who come out of the forces because they have all the best qualities required to get into infosec you have to be adaptable you have to think on your feet You have to deal with situations that most people won't ever really deal with. Some of the investigations I've done, especially my early part of my career, were involving subject matters I never really wanted to see or get involved with. And it was horrendous. And I know a lot of commercial people who bulk at doing that. But every single time I've employed, you know, somebody from the forces or been involved with working with somebody from the forces... I've had a fantastic experience. And they've always, always got some fantastic tales, don't get me wrong. But it must be that really frightening to go from one environment suddenly to another. And James, you made a very good point. You know your end date. You know when you need to have a job because at some point you're going to have to start paying the bills yourself because you're not going to be getting your income from the army. Whereas when I, go, when I used to go for another job, I used to wait until obviously I got the job and then I'd hand my notice in. It's very different for you guys. You know, is there any tips that you guys can give? And I'll go round, and then come back on you, James, because you're the font of of knowledge when you see it from other people and from other areas of disciplines. But is there any tips and tricks you can you can communicate to people who maybe are in the situation that Tom was recently in and Claire was in back then, on how to kind of deal with civvy Street? Because I know. Some of the, some of the things I hear are quite a bit is some of these people are just worried about stuff that they shouldn't be worried about. They're not as disciplined as, as feasibly, you know, they should be because us commercial people, I mean, we haven't been shot at. We haven't been in difficult situations where you have to perform and you have to perform at your peak or there's going to be massive problems down the line. So Claire, let's start with you again. You know, what do you think?
2: Well, for me, you know, I got out uh, when I was a uh, warrant officer class one, so I was pretty senior. Uh, I sort of looked around and thought, what jobs can I get into? And cybersecurity, when I looked at all the jobs, none of it made sense to me, to be honest with you, because although I had done information security, it just wasn't around the technical space um so you know you're dealing with uh the different control mechanisms and protective security uh people process technology or people process physical as we used to call it in them days before the technology came in and of course you sort of you think oh god this doesn't make any sense to me i can't understand it so i looked around and i thought well how do I get into cybersecurity? I knew that that's what I wanted you to do, um, and I did sort of get a bit of uh, knowledge around. Right, go and apply for, the, go and get these these courses under your belt. So there was a few TIAS. I did my TIA Comp uh, Security Plus and Network Plus. But my idea was that would give me the basics that I needed in order to get my CISSP. So I used my um, resettlement money, that's the word I was trying to re- remember earlier, so, uh, to do that. So I went to one of the big companies that do fast track courses. And do you know what? I was amazed by it because I went on the course, the only military person, it was all civvies there. I was amazed because there were people who'd been doing cybersecurity, technical cybersecurity for about 15, 20 odd years they knew less about security than I did. And it really surprised me. Um, And it was when I say, okay, they they knew a lot about encryption and things like that, which I didn't necessarily know at that stage, much more than what I'd been really taught when it it came to the TIA. but... I was surprised at how much I did know. And all the skills that had, uh, I had gotten over the 22 years, you know, really made sense to me. But then trying to get a job as well was quite difficult. So I was looking for roles. And uh, if, I, if I did get on the short list, then, you know, I didn't see... I had a couple of interviews and I just, you know, would fall by the wayside because I didn't know what they were talking about half the time, the questions they were going to ask. So I hadn't had any skills in interview um, techniques. So I sort of looked at it, I thought, right, I do need to get a job. How can I take a little bit of pressure off? And I, I recognised when I, I sort of said earlier on about preparing yourself, there was an element where I thought, well, perhaps I'm, I'm setting my standards a bit too high or setting my goal a little bit too high to start with. So I decided, right, okay, well, let's get back down to bread and butter type roles that I know that I can I can easily get. So I actually looked at the the organisation I wanted to go to that I knew would have a cybersecurity element to it and thought, well, I'll work my way up as the way I had done in the military. So I actually, I took a bit of pressure off myself by going for a a job where I didn't actually earn much more than what I left the military on, because obviously you know, at 22 years, you know, you're very lucky to have an immediate pension. Not that it's a lot, but it allows you to step back for a little while and build yourself up again. So that's what I did. I went in as a security manager in post office. But you know what, I got the job. And then, you know, within six weeks, I'd already applied for another internal job. And that was in uh, commercial security which looked at fraud prevention on um, some of the other applications and and so I was suddenly starting to use my security skills and then within 18 months I had moved into the security team so I got there in the end but I got there through working my way up knowing that okay it doesn't matter whether I, I set my standards a bit lower than what uh, a lot of other people do and, and this is the tip that I, I give to people when they ask is don't be, life is about sort of ladders, snakes and ladders a little bit. It's okay not to get this job where you think that you're going to get out of the military and get in another organisation at the same level, really high up as an executive or a C-level or something like that. The chances are it might not happen unless you're building your own business up. So therefore, step back a little bit, give yourself a little bit of a breather um, and, and then work your way through. If you choose the right business, they will recognise your skills. And that's a little bit of what I did.
0: I mean, Tom, obviously uh, Razor Thorn is your first first engagement out of the army, you poor, poor man. Are you finding kind of that happening at the moment? I mean, I'm very aware that language is very different. I mean, you know, I've, I've got a background of working quite extensively with people from the military, but when you're, when you're dealing with other people, the language is definitely very, very different. And some of the mindsets that people have is very different. I mean, how are you finding that? It's it's definitely a learning curve. Uh, I'd say that, but it's not a
3: not a curve that's too steep, certainly with X-Force's employees, um, because we're, we're used to curves. Uh, we're used to scaling 12-foot walls, right? so being put through a a rigorous process of trying to learn a job within the space of a week, because that's what a lot of individuals in the military are subject to on every two or three years where they change jobs under posting, whether it be directed posting or an applied for job, generally, it's a new role. And whilst it might be umbrellaed by a a certain topographical area, it's still a new job nonetheless. And you have a week, generally, to learn that role before you're in the deep end you're in the hot seat and then you're driving either your section, your company, et cetera, depending on your uh, position and, and role. So, so yeah, coming into a new environment, it, such as Sibby Street, it's again, it's, it's a curve, but it's, it's, it's not an insurmountable curve. And it's certainly what I'm finding. So, I'm, I'm, I'm two months deep into um, my role with Razor Thorn. Couldn't be happier. To be honest, I've had a crack in two months. One thing I was surprised at is the amount of acronyms that still are used within Street. because I thought I was walking away from the military and getting away from acronym central but um, but yeah you've got them all the same the translation of language like you say is is just different whereas in the military certainly writing a 15-page security report on a unit that you've just done you're very direct to the point very black and white whereas with the sort of content you're churning out from a commercial perspective it's I'm not going to use the term pink and fluffy but it's a lot more Less to the point, uh, a lot more descriptive, a lot more holding hand style to try and explain your point. So it's bringing it down to that lowest common denominator to make sure that whoever that report is being seen by or that piece of output is being seen by understands the content rather than using that, that blunt to the point language of, bosh, you will understand this because you're in the military, um, like it or lump it when I envisaged coming out of my 22-year point, I thought that my next role would be, that would be my second career. That would be my next job for 30 years. And then I'd start at the bottom and work my way up. But there wouldn't be an element of being nomadic within job roles, having to change jobs to, to make it up a step, et cetera. And um, when I started the, the process about nine, well, about six, eight months ago, um, I realized that actually that's what CV Street's quite like. Um, a lot of people are changing jobs. All over the place. Um, whether it be for pay increase, job change, they don't like where they're working. Obviously in the military, if you don't like your job, you either have to do something drastic to do about it or you just become numb to it. Whereas in civistry, if you if you don't like your job, you change the job. So it's it's as simple as that. So I'm still learning. I think I'm gonna be learning for a long, long time. Um, but it's it's fantastic. As I said, I've I'm I'm not really looking back that much.
0: Good. Don't change your job because I've got some plans for you yet. Um, so James, I mean, what are you seeing from the community? Yeah. The community at large when it comes to this. I mean, us civvies, you know, we, we haven't had the experience that you guys have and you come into contact with all kinds of different service people coming from all kinds of different situations, branches and all the rest of it. How can us in the commercial, civvy street world assist bringing these forces people into the fold and, and letting them understand that you know we can help you we can support you we can look after you i mean i'm seeing massive benefits in recruiting from from x forces people but for those people out there at the moment who are listening to this who haven't done that in the
1: past i mean what would you say if we think about what tom said you know, about always learning, I think first and foremost, there's two, there's two parts to this. We, we need to get further upstream and better educate people in the military to understand that they are always going to finish their military career at some point. It's, it's inevitable. And if so, then they've got to plan early. But, but the problem when they're leaving is they think too much about the wrong stuff. You know, So people will always be learning, and the best way to describe that is that you're going to be a beginner. When you leave, there are certain things that you do in a new job. It doesn't even matter if you're a CISO moving into another CISO role. You're still a beginner working in that company. So there's still, still things you've got to learn until you are delivering exactly what that company delivers or what that industry wants to suggest is best practice. Once you're in the role and you're used to it, you become a practitioner after a year or two years, however long that timeline is. It's not very, it's not an arbitrary figure. You, you then become that person that delivers best practice by default. Only when you are the person that's helping to shape best practice in that company or subsequently and um, further down the line, shaping it for industry, that you become the expert. And then if you change career, that's going to be the same for anyone in, inside the military or outside the military. But we, we, we create this humongous gap between the military and civilians, whereas we've been shopping in the same shops. You know, most of my sisters have all made it in, in the civilian world. None of them have joined the military. Um, you know, my children the same and, you know, I bank in the same places. I use the same sort of technologies that they use. So, so actually, the only difference is I've been in a different type of job. It's about bridging the language and, and, and the understanding, the awareness, the education bit between what those jobs are all about, not just the standard ones that people in the military are going for. So on the side of the forces, it's getting them to do more networking earlier on because that will lift the lid. And give them far greater knowledge on what's out there, how it looks, etc. On the other side of the fence, it's how to best use these people. And it's not because it's the right thing it's the nice thing to do, it's because it's the right thing to do because it, it makes business sense. So there are a couple of start points. First and foremost, if a company wants to work with and understand what working with with service leavers, part the partners and spouses of those who have served or are serving, um, you know, even, even you know, cadet forces and whatnot. If you want to get more involved in that, then defense relationship management are the best people to speak to. They, they, you know, they're delivering on the, the Armed Forces Covenant with the Employment Recognition Scheme, and they are very well versed at helping an organization get better at that sort of stuff specifically. They will have the best practice on how to work with the Forces community. When it becomes far more specific, you know, you've got the Force Employment Charity that are looking specifically at employment and tech vets within there that, that's looking at cyber IT-wide, but, but cyber as a focus. We've got a community full of hundreds of veterans who are working in these careers from you know ops specialists to business owners, you know, IT project managers and cyber project managers. You, know, you name it, there's someone in there. And what that means is you can ask that specific advice from those people. Now, we've got that community built into tech vets. But from a company's perspective, they've got my team and I, who they can speak to, to help understand, you know, what sort of people we've got in our community, what sort of skills they bring, um, and how they can how they can essentially tap into that talent pool. You know, we've made it zero cost. So it's you know, really really lightweight way of doing that. Um, but again, career transition partnership, which is the organisation that, that well, that's certainly the the contract in place at the moment with the MOD to support service leavers. If you've got jobs where you want to get involved with service leaver community as well, that's another great great place to start. Where you can get all your jobs and you know, have um, be part of events that CTP are running, and that that starts the ball rolling. Um, I would strongly recommend that that anyone uh, who hasn't already done so has a look at McKinsey and Company's um, article on the future skills of the workforce. I can't remember the exact title, um, but it's looking at what fundamental skills are going to be critical for the future workforce. Fifty-six deltas um, that they've grouped into four areas. One's digital cyber tech. Fine push that to one side, but the other three, cognitive, interpersonal, and self-leadership. They are the three that is worth focusing on if you're looking at service leavers and veterans because they, you can go through there, and, and as I was doing, I was ticking off a lot of those. Now, things that, that really stood out to me, there's a lot of bluff and bluster about soft skills from service leavers, um, and, and it, people say, oh, you know, they're, they're all good leaders, and they're all good communicators Well, they're not. It's not a homogenous group. Not everyone has had experience of leadership in the military. They, they're exposed to, to what leadership is. They're taught leadership, but they may not have been leaders and had that experience. But what I liked about this article, it goes down into a bit more detail when we're talking about things like personal goal setting in the self-leadership aspect. I know a lot of people that I've worked with outside of the military who aren't driven in the same way to achieve things for themselves in the, in the way that someone in the forces would be because their whole career is based on getting those objectives nailed. Now, I built objectives with my first team individually, and some of them have never had a line manager do that with them before. Now, again, when we talk in communication, fine. Communication is definitely a sore point in, tech, in technology careers. But actually, what about the ability to, to have interpersonal skills and build relationships quickly? To be able to go out to a client, build that rapport very quickly, to, to use a little bit of light banter, to, to be able to win them over in a way, empathize with, with the problems that they're facing, help them understand their problems, and then do that problem-solving with them. I think that's these are the sort of things, um, you yeah, know, these are the sort of things that, that that we we certainly focus on when we're speaking to these these um, companies, and we've already spoken about the commitment side of it. You know, the, the ability to just dig in um, and get things done, just because it's gone five o'clock, it yeah, doesn't mean that the priority becomes less of a priority. Um, so I think there's there's lots to unpack there, but I think there's plenty of ways in which companies can can do more, but so many of them are already, and that's a, that's the other thing push past any nonsense that you hear on social media, there are a lot of companies that are already very, very actively, if not very keen to become active, hiring service leavers and veterans for that very, for those very reasons. Claire, any last thoughts?
2: I think that service leavers have a lot to offer in very, lots of different ways. And, um, you know, it does come down to in some ways, that leadership side, and, and as James quite rightly points out, not everyone is a leader, but everyone has had training. If they're not a leader, they, they've had training in being led, um, which is actually a really important skill um, that not everyone knows. And and people can, I, I work with people and I see people within um, businesses that that are, are constantly up against um uh, you know, management saying, oh, I want this, I want that, and th- because they don't actually know what management is about and what uh, being a leader is about. So actually, you know, regardless of how much experience you've had in the military, if you've even just been through basic training, you will have learned about leadership in some shape or form. And whether that is not formal leadership training, it tells you how to be led, which will make you at least give you better insights in, in what is being a leader. I quite often speak to people who say, I want to be promoted and I want this. And I, and I said, well, what have you done to develop yourself in a leadership role? Well, I've, I've line managed once before, you know, and, and they think that that is the answer to everything that if they've done it before they don't need to do any courses you know the military I once sort of sat down and thought how how much training have I actually had in leadership and I totaled six months six months solid leadership training where you're away from your normal day job and you're having training in leadership skills that's a huge amount of time even in just 22 years and I know you know you don't come out with a a bachelor of science or an MBA or anything like that you know but you certainly know a heck of a lot about what it is to be led and and I've got to admit you know I speak to people and, and certainly when we went into lockdown two years ago you know it was those military skills that enabled me not only to look after my own team but to look at the wider IT team which was over 200 people in Arriva you know and just started to look at right okay how did these, what are these people going to be feeling you know it's like going on an operational tour and make no bones about it. But we delivered as a team um, and all of us looked out for each other. And those skills that you can bring, is not just you leading, you're bringing leadership skills that you can actually share To other people in those roles and say this is what people will be feeling right now and they they hadn't even really thought about it you know those belly needs that people were suddenly starting to get worried about their safety and security even when it came to Ukraine you know it's got nothing to do with a lot of people but but there is a huge amount of of normal civics who started to watch all of that news that was going on about uh, you know war and suddenly the nuclear threat and all of this and they were coming to our team sort of saying, what, "What would this look like?" It wasn't cyber related. It was, it was more around sort of like, "What might we see?" And the ability to just sort of calm the nerves and and is really important. And I won't underestimate that. Not only can a military person bring skills like what it is like to be led and recognise those skills, but you can share that leadership Mm. knowledge with the greater organisation that you join. And I think the challenge for a lot of organisations is to recognise that military can actually bring more than just the baseline capability that they come with. I think it's recognising that stability. And I think getting over, there's still an element where we need to get over the fact that a lot of people think that military come with baggage. You know, what they hear about the military personnel that might be suffering from PTSD and how to manage that. And I think we're becoming better at it, but there's still some element that even when I speak to people that they're a little concerned and CTP might um, create a transition partnership you're absolutely right James you know that answers some but I've got to admit I've posted stuff on on that website not even got anyone sort of come to me I'm very much an advocate of that and I've posted of uh, job availabilities there and and people either it's not being seen or I'm not hitting the mark I'm not too sure but I would I would encourage people to apply for a Areva in lots of different roles but you don't Get anyone taking it, so you know I'll, I'll definitely be linking in with James after this and making sure that any availability that we have for tech roles, and that's in the wider IT, to be honest, not just cyber, um, that that we can come to you and and get that that those job descriptions and those vacancies broadcasted.
0: Fantastic, Tom. Closing closing statement.
3: Yeah, I think the the bottom line for me is just the mindset that is brought to the cyber and specifically the cyber security domain from anybody within the forces community because um, even going through basic training you have that level of knowledge and understand of defense in depth and holistic approach to security whether it be having your personal weapon having your security sentries out in your harbor area having fives and twenties out when you react into a scene have you got electric countermeasures out now whilst they're very specific to the military and reacting to an incident in an operational context you can very easily transfer and translate that uh, mindset and methodology to a, to a, a cybersecurity um, scenario. It's just understanding that all, all those elements, all those domains fit together. And as long as you can manage those multiple streams and have that wider oversight of all those domains, it all fits together really nicely. And where one breaks down is the weakest link, then the others are then impacted, but then take up the strain. So having that that overarching viewpoint on on the whole security picture, even having a QRF on standby to be your resilience. So a quick reaction force to react to anything that goes on. You have your cert teams, you have your your, your business continuity and disaster recovery teams that form when an incident happens. That mindset is pivotal uh, moving forward, and, and that's, that's what we bring. Uh, we bring that element of consideration and, and knowledge and experience to a fold. All we need to do is translate that. Into a corporate uh, setting, and and we can we can run with it.
0: Fantastic. And I mean, you know, a cl- bit of a closing statement from me. I don't normally do much of this kind of thing, but as Claire, Tom, will attest to you, I like to talk, and I talk at great length, whether you want me to or not. I think for me, you know, if you're if you're in the commercial side, if you're a civvy, and you've never been in the army or the the navy or the air force, whatever. These are some of the people who are some of the most dedicated people you'll ever meet. You know, they are highly skilled in a variety of different areas that you can't train in in five minutes, you know. Um, all my experiences with former service people have been very, very, very positive. And I think it's only right that us who haven't been through that experience and that, that part of life should support people who are coming in from that neck of the woods. They may just teach you some stuff that you never knew. They might be able to complement the team that you have with some leadership skills, as Claire has mentioned, qualities of, of a lot of service people you just don't get in the commercial world. Or it's far more difficult to get in a commercial world. So invest in them, mentor some of these people into whatever field you're in. Might be, you know, in our case, it's information security, and you will be impressed, and they will pick it up fast. And if you're from the forces and you are coming into City Street and you want to get into InfoSec, please feel free to reach out. Obviously to Tech Vets as well, uh, but to Razor Thorn, we're always here to help and we can refer you to various different people that we know. We know a lot of people. I've been in this game for 25 years. I can get Claire chatting to you, you know, if you, when she has some time to to try and help you get, you know, where you want to get to, or Tom, or refer you over to James. I'll probably refer you over to James first thing anyway. Let's Let's change things and let's make things easier. We have a skill shortage in InfoSec. Come into it. You know, be a part of that. And for those of you out in the community who are civvies and have never been in the forces, help the guys transition. We need them anyway so, to mentor them, get them, you know, fill in the gaps. If they want to be a pen tester, help them become pen testers. If they want to be governance, help them become governance people. And God forbid if they want to become auditors, send them in my direction. I'm always looking for some good <sighs> oh. auditors. I'll send them in Claire's direction. She loves a good auditor. But uh, yeah, you know, just reach out and we will, we will help out in any way, shape, or form that we can. Thank you ever so much, guys and gals, for coming on board. This is, it's a big subject matter. This, maybe we'll do a, a, you know, a review a bit further down the line and, and maybe refine some of, some of the, the aspects of what it is to, to get into this um I'll have a chat with with each and every single one of you and I hope you've all enjoyed this and I hope that you out there have all enjoyed listening to to some people with some really brilliant experience talk about some of their 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 interactions and how they've come across so James thank you ever so much do you want to quickly say where people can find you if you are coming out of the military and you want to get involved with tech vets do you want to quickly give a little plug yeah
1: yeah absolutely. so just head over to www.techvets.co just.co and you'll find our website you can register there there's no costs involved at any stage so it's a good place to start
0: fantastic and tom claire as always it's a pleasure tom i've got some plenty of work for you we'll have a chat after this claire (laughs) i can't wait to meet up with you again it's been a long time so we'll have a uh, meet up and a bit of a beer
2: Yes, most definitely. Thanks, Jim.
0: Perfect. All right, for all of you out there, thank you ever so much for listening to this podcast. It's always good to hear feedback. So if you want to give us feedback on stuff that you want to understand, stuff that you want to know, some of the topics that, you, that, that you'd like to see on the channel, then please feel free to communicate those through and we're more than happy to sort that out for you. If you've got any questions for James or Claire or Tom feel free to also email through to us we'll forward those over to, to to the relevant individuals who no doubt will at some point be in contact with you but thank you ever so much to all of you out there that have, have listened in and thank you to my guests and and we'll speak to you all soon thank you for listening to the rosewild podcast if you like podcasts, if you love podcasts, podcast please feel free to subscribe and if you have any questions please get in touch